Hey, oh, welcome to Build to Be You. My name is Michaela, and I am so pumped that you're here. I made this podcast so you can uncover what it means to be you and learn how you can fully step into your potential while trying to navigate your 20s, overcoming previous failures, learning to face your fears, dance with your emotions, and take messy action in order to build and become the best you. You can expect a little bit of mixed stuff love and a whole lot of real talk. But let me just say, this journey is so much more fun with a bestie. So buckle up and let's do it together. freshly divorced, super depressed and incredibly isolated. I would take a break from work and I would put my headphones in and I would go into the bathroom stall and turn on a song and jump up and down in the bathroom stall because that's, that's how I could create joy. Fam, I cannot think of a better guest for this audience than Rachel, who is an emotional resilience life coach who teaches women to have more fun. Like, can we just throw our hands in the air, do a little booty shake because life is meant to be fun. I promise we don't talk about having fun the entire time. We also talk about self-love and acceptance, navigating fear, you know, stepping into the unknown, knowing and trusting in yourself that you're going to figure it out along the way. I hope you love this week's episode as much as I love chatting with Rachel, who is an epic human on an epic mission. Welcome, Rachel, to the Build Me podcast. So excited to have you in our community today. Can you just start off by telling us a little bit about you and who you are? Yes. Hi, Michaela. So happy to be here. Um, my name is Rachel. So I am an emotional resilience life coach, and I help women to have more fun and make positive change in their life from a place of tapping into their inner wisdom and making decisions in a place that actually feels really good instead of icky. Oh, I love that. And I'm so excited to like pick apart what it is that you do and how you can serve our community. How did you get into, you know, emotional resilience, life coaching? Um, okay. Well, in a nutshell, I would say divorce, mm-hmm. moving across the world and living in China and overcoming an eating disorder are excellent recipes for developing <laughs> emotional resilience. Yay. <laughs> Absolutely. So at its core, what is emotional resilience? Like, what does that even mean? I like to think of it as basically the ability to go for something really big and fail and suck at it and have your own back, learn how to feel negative emotions, the fear, the doubt, the rejection, and learn how to love yourself more through those processes instead of using them as reasons to not go for what it is that you desire. Oh, that's so good. And there's so many different ways that we could go with this. So I would love for you to share a real life example with us, whether that's divorce in China or somewhere in between how you built emotional resilience in your own life. Yeah. So a really simple example I'll say is when I first moved to China, it was super overwhelming. There were all sorts of things that I was like, yo, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. All of the signs are in Chinese. I don't speak anything. I have a map of the Metro. I have a general direction of where I need to go. Let's say my host, my house to work. I have a general direction of where it is that I want to go, but I don't actually know how I'm going to get there. What do I have? I've got me. I've got my brain. I've got my GPS. I've got body language. I've got my intuition. Let's figure out a way to get there. So, I mean, you can relate that to a parallel of achieving any goal in life. And so essentially what I would have to do is basically just go out and ask people, how do I get to this next place? How do I get to this next milestone? 
most of the time, nobody understood at all what I was saying. And it was extremely frustrating. I would say that um, frustration was the number one hurdle in terms of emotion that I had to kind of go through. And um, I would find myself really often telling myself, Rach, you're doing this wrong. You're never going to figure this out, which of course is a voice that we're probably all familiar with when we're trying to do anything in our lives. It's like, I'm doing it wrong. So the process of, I guess, emotional resilience was like learning how to kind of comfort that voice and be like, it's okay, Rach, you might be doing it wrong right now, but that doesn't mean that you are wrong. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be able to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. I love you. I've got you. Let's do this. Are you ready? And kind of um, talking to myself as I would to a a small child in some sense, really learning to like be with yourself instead of abandoning yourself when you're going through something difficult. And that in the end, at the end of the day is like how we get through everything, right? I think so many of us are used to talking to ourselves when we're trying to get through a challenge in our lives of like, come on, why haven't you made it work this far? Mm -hmm which of course just makes us want to not try anymore. So emotional resilience is, I guess in this example, pouring a little bit of love, pouring a little bit of sparkle to the challenge so that it actually becomes something that you want to continue forward with. Right. And I love that you kind of just made that analogy right there. Like it can still be challenging and fun. Like it can still be challenging and rewarding. And so Mm. I'm curious, you're in China trying to navigate the Metro, trying to figure out where you're going. And you have this voice inside of your head. who's like, you can't, you're not doing it right. Like what was kind of the thought process? Like was your first instinct to be like, no, be quiet. Like it's gentle and tender. Or was like, did you kind of have like a back and forth with that inner, Mm. inner critic? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. Um, yeah. So at first I didn't even realize that it was an inner critic. I just thought it was me. I just thought that I was an asshole to myself and I was nice to everybody else. So at first it was like, will you please shut up? I'm trying to get a job done here. And so that inner critic, of course, kept coming back because it was actually kind of trying to tell me something, which was that there's like some things that I could do differently. So the first phase I would say was gaining an awareness that that inner critic wasn't actually me. It was just, you know, some people call it the inner critic. Some people call it the primitive brain some people call it wounds. I think it's kind of all one and in the same. Um, and eventually it, what I found useful in bridging the gap between, you know, harsh reaction, will you please shut up towards the inner critic into, okay, let's play. How can I make this a game? How can I interact with you in a way that's like, like an old friend? It was learning how to have compassion for myself when I did have that voice. So it was kind of, um, this sense of, Oh, Hey, I see you there. Hi. What's up. I see you. I notice you. I love you. I pay attention to you. Part of me really wishes that you weren't here right now. And that's okay. I noticed that part of me too. I honor that part of me too. Just like a lot, a lot, a lot of acceptance and compassion until a point that it was finally like, okay, this part of me feels safe to express itself. I've created safety with acceptance and love and compassion. Now, what does it have to teach me? And how can I integrate in the fun and playful parts of myself so that I don't take life so seriously? I can get on the Metro and I can see people like, like one of the things that would happen all the time is people just take pictures of you. It's very well-intentioned. It's not meant to be, 
malicious, which of course it like over here in the, in the West, it's like, seriously, you take a picture of me. I will sue your ass, but it's not like, (laughs) it's not like that over there. So it's like, how can I make this a game of like, okay, you want to take a picture of me? Well, I'm going to look at your camera and I'm going to make the ugliest face (laughs) ever because I'm not going to let you have a pretty picture of me without my consent. Instead of this ruminating in this like feeling helpless and trapped, like I couldn't say anything to protect myself. It's kind of like, all right, fine. You want a picture? Come at me, bro. And then like (laughs) make a really terrible face, which was fun. I love that. And I think it's so powerful for the listener who's listening is like self-awareness is something that you just touched on with every single kind of like phase that you took us through is like acknowledging that there's something going on. There's something to be Mm. said or something to be acknowledged and then deciding what you're going to do with that. And for Mm. you, you know, making it fun, making the silly faces and like my built of you community knows that like, I'm all about like, throw your hands in the air, jump around, like have a dance party, like do whatever Mm. you need to do to make yourself feel most like you. And so that kind of sounds like what you were doing in the Metro as people were taking photos of you. (laughs) Yep. Basically like bringing in my musical theater background of like, all right, I'm gonna make you so uncomfortable right now because you've never seen a musical. It's fine. I'm going to show you how nice it can be without your consent, because you're taking a picture without mine. So let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. That is so funny. I love that. I love you. It's great. (laughs) And for the listener who's listening, she's probably like, wait, but weren't you afraid of like what other people were going to think of you? So how do we navigate the fear of judgment from others when we do like put ourselves in that position to just like have more fun in life? Oh man, this is such a good question. And it's such a real thing that we all struggle with. Like even me being someone who I'm pretty confident in myself, there are definitely times too, that I worry, like, what are people going to think? So what I would say is borrow confidence in one area of your life and transfer it into another. So if we take for the example, right? Like, how do I worry about what people are going to think of me? If I am, for example, like going out there and, you know, giving a talk on stage, which is something that I do like in my business as a public speaker, sometimes I worry that people are going to hate what I have to say. I also know that there's a part of me like this fun, playful, kind of bubbly, super extra part of me that a lot of people probably don't like, but I don't care about that. That's something that I have developed up in my past. And so, and one of the beliefs that I've cultivated in that area is like, I'm super bubbly. I'm super extra. I know guac is extra and so am I, and I don't (laughs) care is kind of that feeling that I've cultivated with that aspect of my personality. So I can kind of like shift into that mindset and exercise that muscle of what it feels like to be in that space, feel the sensations and the positive feelings in my body of confidence and playfulness and kind of being like in your face, like you love me. And if you don't, but it's like, you're just confused kind of energy. I, I have cultivated that in one area of my life. And so when I think about going on stage and the possibility of somebody saying like, that thing that you said over there was super like ridiculous or outlandish or whatever to kind of
empower
details are what make it our kind of fit just paving your own path, rewriting